I'm John Moe, and this is Wits, the studio-only version, the podcast exclusive. You see, it works like this. We do this big, crazy, wonderful stage show called Wits at the Fitzgerald Theater in St. Paul. We bring in our favorite comedians, musicians, actors, authors. There's comedy, conversations, songs, and surprises. It's a great time. Then we turn those into radio shows. And starting this month, those shows are going out to lots of public radio stations around the country who are broadcasting them. Hooray! If you've been with Wits for a while, thank you for helping us to become a national show. Those shows also become podcasts. Now, every once in a while, when we get a a wild hair, we also offer studio-only versions where we talk to some of our favorite people in a more intimate setting. And that is what's happening today. Producer Larissa Anderson is here, who, uh, when we do our stage show, is a a disembodied voice kind of haunting through the Fitzgerald Theater. And and that's what you are again today. We're we're both disembodied voices today. Right. That's the miracle of radio. That's welcome to my Except I, on stage, gain corporeal form, whereas you... I never do. You stay ethereal. I'm almost like a theater ghost, but not really. Almost, yeah. You're spooky. What's on the podcast? Um, Well, we have an interview you did with James Adomian. James Adomian is a meteor on the stand-up comedy scene. He's He's one of these comedians that all the other comedians are raving about, which normally then means soon he will be the comedian that everybody in the country knows about. Yeah, he was great. And uh, then we're going to talk to one of our WITS alumni, Grant Lee Phillips. Grant Lee Phillips, brilliant musician, funny guy, nice fella, and a podcast host himself nowadays. Can I tell you uh, trivia of, of both of these people? Yes, please. Both of them do a killer Jesse Ventura impression. Yes, they do. And both of them have been in my dumpy car. In your car. <laughs> yes. Okay, so we have a common thread. Larissa's car and the former governor of Minnesota. Yes. All right, let's get started. James Adomian has been featured on Last Comic Standing, Children's Hospital, and this month he'll be performing a show at the San Francisco Sketch Fest as the character he's become most famous for, former wrestler, former governor of Minnesota, Jesse Ventura. I've, I've been kind of caught up in, I don't know if it's because I live in Minnesota and have a special... Uh, proclivity towards hunting down clips of people talking about former Minnesota Governor Jesse Ventura. <laughs> You've made a, a bit of a cottage industry out of Jesse Ventura, haven't you? I love, uh, what are you talking about? <laughs> How, a cottage industry? Does that mean that it's not industrial? <laughs> what does Jesse Ventura mean to you? Well, he. Well, I love, I, I, I mean, I grew up hearing him as an announcer as a, in wrestling, mostly. Uh, right. I, when I was Vince watching McMahon. wrestling... Yeah, he was kind of the fixture at the ringside right. when I was a kid. Look at that body on him. And he was, as I recall, being also a pro wrestling fan, he was sort of gave voice to the bad guys. He was the bad He was a fan of the bad guys. He was guys. an advocate for the baddies. Which made it so strange that then he goes into politics and you're not <laughs> supposed to think of him as a bad guy, allegedly. <laughs> or a wrestler, for that matter. This time I'm a good guy. <laughs> I just... I love. I, he's got such a funny voice, and I love how combative he is, and uh, just contrarian. If anybody, whenever you hear him interviewed, somebody be like, "So Jesse, you're the former governor." And he'd be like, "What do you mean, former governor? <laughs> how do you know I'm not the future governor?" <laughs> how did this? Uh, how did this go from just uh, somebody you heard to somebody that you started working into your act, and, and now you're you're on your way to the Sketchfest in San Francisco and doing a Jesse Ventura show there. Oh yeah, that's one of the fun things I get to do. Uh, I do, mm, I guess I've done Jesse Ventura. 
I've, I've just done the voice for fun, you know, for years. And then maybe in the last three or four years, I was doing it in a character, both at live stage shows and then on podcasts and stuff. And so something that came out of that was, you know, maybe I'll just do a whole hour and a half show as Jesse Ventura and bring on my friends who do characters as well to play other experts uh, in conspiracies or wrestling or politics. What are some of the issues that uh, Jesse touches on in this show? <laughs> what we're going to get into is what's really happening. I have my friend John Roy plays G. Gordon Liddy. He's really, he, has, he looks like him. He just puts a mustache on. And so it's like, what was the inside information about what happened in the Nixon White House? <laughs> What was what was on the missing eight minutes of the tape? Now was it a musical number? <laughs> you you do the the voice the voice is uncanny the voice is spectacular, but when you approach something like that, it's how much of it is imitating the sound of the voice and how much is kind of crawling inside the psychology? Like it's, well, yeah, it's got to be mostly mental. It's both of those. Yeah, I think uh, not that I'm calling Jesse Ventura mostly mental. I don't want him to come here and. <laughs> Punch my face. <laughs> I still have access. I have a skeleton key that I never surrendered as a gubernatorial access code. I wrote a special law to get into Minnesota public radio. I can get into Minnesota public radio. <laughs> I did it to keep Garrison Keeler in check. Uh, you, you never see those two guys together. It's the strangest thing. <laughs> That's funny. It would be a character he plays. <laughs> Um, I, yes, I think, uh, I've, I've always done impressions and I do the, I, I, I do them both in a sketch comedy format and also in a stand up format. And I think generally, uh, I think it is really important to get into the, 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 the psyche of somebody you're playing as an actor, um, uh, probably a little bit more important than getting the voice right. The voice should come and it helps if you're good at that, but I think, um, some people do impressions that are not necessarily incredibly accurate, but they're hilarious. Right. That's what we react to. And I think just, you know, how accurate it is is just icing on the cake. But uh, if it's just accurate and you're not really doing a satirical performance and sort of getting inside of the character, it's kind of more like a magic trick where it's you're just sort of people going, oh, good job. That, that sounds exactly like the guy. I remember when Jesse Ventura first got elected governor of Minnesota. I wasn't living here at the time. I was living in Seattle and I was writing sketches for a radio comedy show and it was supposed to be news satire. And I thought, I, I, I threw up my hands like, how can you satirize Jesse Ventura being elected governor? You can't, you can't gild that lily. How do you put comedy on top of We've the situation? We've got budget negotiations. I'm here at ringside. Ding, ding, ding. We're going to the mat. <laughs> I guess maybe you bring in Paul Orndorff as a special advisor. Exactly. That's yeah. part of the fun is to do is to just bring. <laughs> part of the fun is so he has these distinct worlds: uh, wrestling, anything about Minnesota. And then uh, conspiracies, and so it's like you can you can just lapse in and out of any of those large topics. Right? There's I, there's plenty of nonsense to go over. I picture this. Uh, I picture a Venn diagram of those three rings. It's Jesse Ventura <laughs> Jesse is right, right in the middle. middle. Right, right. <laughs> now I, I've heard you also do Sam Elliott's voice. Uh, you don't go in for you know Barack Obama or or Donald Trump. These voices that are everywhere. You have a an eclectic array of voices that you do. Yeah, a part of it is that I'm interested in people who are maybe not considered 
quote unquote mainstream culture. Uh, I paid more, like I did Christopher Hitchens when he was alive, and I uh-huh. guess I've done him a couple times since he passed away too. But I, but uh, he was somebody I was like, why did no one do an impression of Christopher Hitchens? Uh-huh. It seemed like that was obvious. Somebody should have been doing that. And that's the the other thing is I feel like. You pro- I, from my point of view, you're having more of an impact and doing more of an interesting thing if you're finding somebody who, boy, somebody should do an impression of this guy and nobody's done it before. Or maybe if it's been done before, you have a very different take on it, you know? It's like a band doing a cover. You can, you play the same song, but you can do it in, in your own way and yeah. kind of make your own statement through Co- Some covers are really good and some aren't that great. Right. Um, but, you know, I mean, Paul F. Tompkins was a hilarious uh, uh, stand-up who dev- never really did impressions. And then in the last three years, oh it's this gosh. new big side to what he does, all these different impressions. And again, it's kind of like, you know, you pick something, someone on the fringe like, like Jesse Ventura and he's doing Gary Marshall and the Cake Boss. <laughs> right. And uh, John C. Riley. Yeah, and you know it's a it's funny. I'm seeing it. I, I, like Mark Marin. I don't think of Mark Marin as a guy who does impressions. In, in recent sets I've seen of his, he does uh, he does Gene Wilder, and he's a really good Gene Wilder impression. He does. <laughs> wow. Yeah. With Paul, I I actually asked him at one point early when he was doing John C. Riley. I said, "Hold on, are you getting oh, John, C. John C. Riley to come on and do your?" He's like, "No, it's it's me doing a terrible John C. Riley." I said, Paul, "I love his. It's you doing a wonderful John it C. Riley." Sounds exactly like him. <laughs> we did a thing. Paul and I did a thing on stage live where it was. Um, uh, he was John C. Riley, and I was Philip Seymour Hoffman. And uh, you know, I, they they did like a play together where they switched off the parts. They did like True West, True West or something. Yeah, Sam Shepard play. Where every night they would play switch off the different parts. <laughs> we did we did this sketch together where we were switching off the parts to True West and we called it Truer West and we would but we would switch off the parts like every minute. And then by the end of it, we're just switching off the parts over and over again. But it's it's Adomian and Tompkins yeah. as Philip Seymour Hoffman yeah. and John C. Yeah. Riley. Oh, uh, this is the West. You don't know what you're doing. Listen, Gary, you gotta listen. How how, how do you go about doing Philip Seymour Hoffman? What what's unique about the vocal quality of Philip oh, Seymour I Hoffman? Oh, I think Philip Seymour Hoffman just always sounds like he's sick. Uh-huh. He he looks and sounds like, you know, I got something going around, some kind of flu, I don't know, some kind of bug. I'm sick, okay? Get off my back! So so he's sick, and then I'm eventually just, he gets I'm fed just, up of not being seen as sick. I'm just sniffling. Yeah, he's, he's just angry that people are bothering him while he's sick. <laughs> um, tell me, uh, we, were, we were talking about your album uh, before we started rolling here. Um, your album is uh, low hanging fruit. low hanging fruit, which you say is a triple entendre. <laughs> Please, for the benefit of our public radio audiences, diagram uh, that construction. Well, I'm I'm a gay person. I'm a homo. I'm a, I'm a homo American. That's <laughs> that's the phrase I picked up from George W. Bush. <laughs> uh, I'm I appreciate the homo Americans out there. I'm understandful that there have their others. Um. But uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm gay, so that was one. Uh, so there's the f- intention of the phrase right, there, right? My low hanging fruit. It's also my first stand up album, so uh, there was a sort of uh, humble uh, reference there to. You'll pick off the easy jokes exactly first time around. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
and uh, yep. and I'm proud of. I think some of the things on there I'm really proud of, and uh, are, are kind of bold statements. So that was my that was the uh, the, the low hanging part. Is okay, the third, the third angle there. <laughs> We're up to three. Yeah, the the gay villains bit I do in particular is something that I'm really I'm really happy to have gotten recorded and out there to the public. I talk about uh, how there's so many villains in old movies and cartoons that are gay for no reason at all. Uh, like uh, any Vincent Price movie, yes, he's always like, "Welcome, gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen, welcome to my chamber of secrets." <laughs> and, then, and then there's like, you know, there's so many cartoons like where there's the, the bad guy is gay for no reason at all. Like, mm, yes, bring them to me. <laughs> I want them now. <laughs> sort of an evil Paul Lynn thing yes, going on there. Yes, and it, it was like, why does they have to be the case? And then I. Uh, there's lots and lots of examples of it. There's like, uh, you know, um, the Sheriff of Nottingham. Whenever the Sheriff of Nottingham is ever portrayed by anyone, it's always prancing around as the biggest fop in the land. <laughs> Stay away from him. He's mincing. And I thought this album came out earlier this year or last year. And I thought um, I thought I got it. You know, I got a bunch of good examples. And right. then Skyfall came out. Skyfall. And Javier Bardem I was plays, just about to mention that. Please. Perhaps the most uh, egregious gay villain I've ever seen, and it's it's well done, but it's it's really why does he have to be gay? He sort of plays the 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 gayness as being the most terrifying part of his bad guyness. I know when Javier Bardem comes in and grabs James Bond's leg, and he's like, "Mr. Bond, mommy was very bad, wasn't she?" Well, when they say mommy was very bad, I'm trying to separate you from women altogether. <laughs> <laughs> Psychologically evaluation failed. Medically evaluation failed. He has the most beautiful Spanish accent. <laughs> well, I, I I've seen uh, a lot of your clubs, a lot of a lot of material you've done um, about being gay, which is very funny. With polls showing a majority of people now support uh, same-sex marriage, does that make? Uh, that material, does it make it play differently than it might have a year or two or three ago? Uh, I don't know about the specific timing of a couple years or anything, but uh, I think I'm definitely, uh, you know, I'm I'm definitely talking about uh, gay rights to some degree, but more than that, just perceptions of gay people in movies and TV and media in general and advertising. I talk about like homophobic advertising mm-hmm. where particular beer ads are, are the worst offenders in that case. Be a real dude. Drink a beer. Get straight. Because the effeminate guy never gets never the gets beer, the beer. Yeah. yeah. It's always like, oh, I'm, uh, oops, I'm the gay in a beer ad. Sorry. Tackle. And then he's gone. You never hear from that guy. <laughs> but yeah, I, uh, I talk about that kind of stuff. Um, uh, because I have been out of the closet my adult life, but uh, at a certain point I started doing stand-up as myself instead of just sketch comedy because I was like, you know, I'm out of the closet and nobody knows or cares. So right. I'm going to publicly be out by doing stand-up and talking about my own life and not just all these other people uh, <laughs> that are floating around in my head. So, uh, yeah, I you know, I just feel like I, I, I want to do my part to make uh, – life better for the next generations um and i think you know it's it's there's other problems in the world but a big one is we should not be torturing ourselves or our children over who we want to fall in love with 
James Adomian will be performing at the Acme Comedy Club in Minneapolis this weekend and at the San Francisco Sketch Fest on January 25th and 26th. His debut album is Low Hanging Fruit. James, thank you so much for being here. John, this was really fun. Thanks for talking. And Jesse Ventura, thank you for being here as well. How do you know I'm not sticking around? Blow away black tornado Blow away troubled sky Blow away disappointment All the worry days gone by Ready for the crops to ripen Leaving all the rest behind Welcome that sun Looking forward to better times Walking in green corn Walking in fields so high Walking in the green corn from time to time, we like to welcome in our Distinguished Wits alums, people who have uh, have been on the show previously. It's easy to get a hold of them. They all meet regularly at the Wits Clubhouse and sit in their overstuffed chairs and wear their smoking <laughs> jackets. Grant Lee Phillips is with us. Hey, Grant Lee. Hey there. How you doing? I'm well, thanks. Uh, you, uh, we, we caught you as you're swinging through the Twin Cities uh, with a new album, Walking in the Green Corn. What do you yeah. mean walking in the green corn? What kind of name is that for an album? <laughs> well, well. Come on, uh, Grant Lee Phillips. You know what? Uh, I've never heard the question put in such a, in such a way. <laughs> such a confrontational way. <laughs> well, uh, it, you know what? It's an it's a an album, and that song uh, in particular is inspired by my um, Muscogee Creek heritage, and um, the Muscogee Creek tradition of the green corn dance, a time of purification, renewal. So yeah. how does so is that what that song is about, or is that what your yeah. life is about? Well, you know what it's it's a it's a it's a prayer for better times yeah. for myself for all of us. You know, kind of putting yourself into that frame of mind, walking in the green corn, and it comes out at a time when what corn is failing, and I had no idea, but you know that's <laughs> just a glimpse of my prophetic powers. Right, right, and and that uh, Muskogee uh, heritage mm-hmm. that informed, as I recall, the name of Grant Lee Buffalo. It did. You know what? I think we talked about that we before, did. right? We did. You know, it, it was always there. It was always there, kind of in the background, kind of fueling my writing, and uh, and only until now have I dove into it whole hog and wrote an album of songs that were. Very uh, indicative of of my uh, my heritage. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been listening to to the music and it's and it's lovely. But even just looking through some of the titles, there's a whole lot of nature here. There's great horned owl, mm-hmm. buffalo hearts, thunderbirds, black horses in a yellow sky. Yeah, it's um, a full barnyard. It's it's you've got a full <laughs> barnyard. Um, so how how did those songs kind of come about? Reconnecting with that heritage. Why you know why so much animal and nature imagery. Hmm. Well, I think animals are they're a way of tapping into that raw, raw energy. You know, the force of nature is, is often embodied in the metaphor of animals. I've always loved it. I mean, Grantley Buffalo is, uh, you know, evidence of that, I suppose. Yeah. Um, you know, that's a, that's a symbol of sacrifice and abundance. Uh, do you, you live in, in the Los Angeles area, correct? I do. I mean, do you have, I mean, maybe you have dogs and cats. I can't imagine you have... <laughs> 
household buffalo. I mean, I do, do, do you miss point. that as part of your daily I life? I do miss having a household, uh, <laughs> household of buffaloes. Um, I grew up in the country. You want a home where the buffalo, you know, where they walk well, you know around they a do. little. Yeah. 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 Uh, I grew up in the country, and uh, and out there in the country we had, you know, goats around and folks had horses and and it and it wasn't like they were riding around with uh, jodhpurs and uh red coats you know they were they were like horses that were kind of skinny and mangy and my where was this where did you grow up uh stockton california okay yeah yeah so i feel like i grew up around that kind of thing you know lots of birds i had lots of birds as pets and i did have an owl as a pet really yeah he just like in harry potter you know what? I never thought about that. I probably ought to talk to an attorney. Yeah, it's probably a, a, a suit here for me. What's it like having an owl as a pet? It was a it was a sweet little guy. You know, he ate raw hamburger meat. Uh huh. And uh, would would tip tip tip, up tiptoe on my uh, my shoulder. Sleep all day. Uh, <laughs> you know what? He was awake during the day. Actually, I mean, I don't know. I yeah. woke him up. No need to catch mice if some dude's giving you hamburger. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Here is some Grantly Phillips music from the new album, Walking in the Green Corn. This is The Straightened Outer. Thunder on the mountain, there's lightning in the sky. Hammer of the straightened outer, working overtime. What can you tell us about the straight and outer, about that song? The straight and outer, it's a song that's inspired by an indigenous myth, a character who goes about trying to straighten every little thing out, you know, every little river that bends, make it fit into a, a straight line. I thought, wow, that's a nice metaphor for modern man, you know? Try to fix everything. Trying to fix everything. and Because uh, nature is a mess when you look at it. Well, I don't see it that way. But <laughs> really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's just stuff growing all over the place, and right? Just mountains are all screwy. That's 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 somewhat true uh, in terms of my my own backyard. But you know, I just got an electric mower. So, oh, yeah, that's changed my life. Plug-in mower. You know what? No, I I couldn't imagine that walking around with a with a cord. Yeah, I do that. Do you? I have one of those. It's it's a disaster. It's it, we thought. Oh, okay, we'll do that. Then we don't have to worry about. Uh, you know, getting the can of gas and yanking right. on the thing, and maybe the thing doesn't start, so we'll just use extension cords. I've just, I've had it. Weeds are going to do what they're going to do. Well, what happens to the, the man who tries to straighten everything out? Does he get his comeuppance? I think he does. I think that's the man that we are, the yeah. man who we've become, yeah. So uh, there's a little bit of allegory there. I'm not sure that that's what the, uh, the folks who wrote that story intended, so many thousands of years ago, maybe they did. You know, there's a uh, there's there's a uh, great reverence for the sacred clown, um, in indigenous tradition. What's the sacred clown? Well, the clown, the clown, you know, maybe causing us all to have this uh, this laughter, but really they're on to something else. They've got something to. Uh, it's more satirical. It's more philosophical. Ah. And maybe it hits us on the way home. Ah, ah. Now, now I get what that that sacred clown was on about. There have always been these folks. The uh, your, your Lenny Bruce's and your your sacred clowns. Right. King Lear's fool. Yeah. Exactly. How much uh, of a Native American uh, 
environment did you grow up in? Because there's a lot of getting back to that in, yeah. in your work and in your interests. How much right. of that was present when you were growing up? Well, you know what? My, uh, my knowledge of my heritage was uh, was very tan- tangible. Uh, m- my mother, my grandmother, it was something that was the topic of conversation a lot. You mm-hmm. know, they're, they're both from Oklahoma, and uh, I can trace my family back to the, the Trail of Tears and the, uh, the Creek and the Cherokee side. And um, so it was always a topic of conversation and something that was important to them. And I guess... Uh, you know, the, the, uh, the short answer is that, you know, my, my upbringing was, was quite, quite, uh, quite a bit like yours probably, you know, mm-hmm. suburban, uh, uh, and yet watch TV, ride your bike. Yeah. Yeah. All of those kind of things. But, um, in terms of my soul and my desire to understand that continuum, where I came from, where my, where my family and those generations came from, how to pass that on to my daughter. That's a much more mysterious, all-encompassing uh, kind of kind of thing. Grantley Phillips, thanks again for being with us. Thank you. Grantley Phillips is host of the podcast Shortwave. His new album is Walking in the Green Corn. You can find video clips and way more information about Wits at our website, witsradio.org. We're on Facebook. Just search for Wits. And we're on Twitter, at Wits. If you've been hearing wits on your local public radio station, please take a moment and thank the station for carrying it. They love to hear from you about what you like. If you haven't been hearing it because your station doesn't carry the show, please consider taking a moment to politely ask them why not, and then send them to us. We'll help them out. We'll soon be announcing our spring lineup of live shows. Oh boy, it's going to be a corker of a season. And also please go to iTunes and review wits and give us the stars you think that we deserve. Every little bit of information, every little bit of feedback helps. Please give us five stars. I'm John Moe. Talk to you soon. Bye now. You should have been gone.